Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. And tonight, I have a very special guest with me. It's, not, it's the legend, the myth. You know him as the Backlook Cinema Podcast. Zoe's here with me. And it's just an honor and a privilege to be able to have him back here again. And the last time he was here, we did the Wizard Review with Brent Savage. It was an, it was a great time. So now we're going to be diving, doing a little bit of something different. I know it's hot, hot, spooky season. I understand that. But I want to take a minute just to bring some laughs. And what better way to do that than with Beverly Hills Cop? So with further ado, let's go ahead. Let's dive into the world of Beverly Hills Cop. And hey, Zoe, welcome back to the show, man. It's good to see you. Hey, John, and hello, movie lovers. And hello there. Man, I just want to say, it, I missed you. I'm glad that you're back. I've been, I'm glad that you released Alien on your podcast. I'm about to dive into that probably later on this weekend just to catch up on some podcasts. But it's good to hear you back and hear that you're back, though. Thanks. I really appreciate it. It's good to be back. Uh, I'm glad I'm able to come back to podcasting um, i'm glad to be on your show and be able to talk about some great movies beverly hills cop is one of my favorite movies Here, here's what's funny though i had uh i remember i did beverly hills cop uh, on my podcast before and i'm thinking like i don't know my memory is all funny i'm thinking i did it like a couple of months ago i was like yeah a couple of months ago i watched beverly hills cop and i didn't know how i was gonna feel watching it having watched it just a few months previous you know how it was like if you watch right. a movie too close together you know you you lose some of the thrill and some of the fun of when you watched it the first time or if you hadn't watched the movie in a long time and you watch it um you you get that feeling again almost like you watched it for the first time but when i gave it this watch i watched it last week and i was like oh it feels just as good as when i the last time i watched it i was wondering what was going on so what i realized was that i had actually watched it back in 2020 on the oh, fourth wow. episode of the show like this movie is so impactful that i feel like i just watched it and uh, it's just as good uh watching it now as when i watched it a couple of years ago that's awesome dude and you know what i do the same thing though too because i have 700 and something episodes in my, in the catalog and i'm thinking did i review that and i actually have to go through the whole entire catalog just right. to make sure i'm not you know, doubling up on the episodes and doing the same thing again. Right, right. I'm like, okay, so I have this inside the house. So I'm like, I don't have to worry about it. Okay, I'm not going to review this movie. But right. yeah, I've definitely been there trying to search for the, uh, making sure that, you know, that I actually have um, a different movie to review other than instead of doing the same movie again. Right, 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 you know? right. Well, so far, you you're good because... You don't just review movies. You you might talk about uh, a series of movies, or you might talk about a director, or you might interview an actor, or something like that. So there's a lot more variety in your show. Where I'm just talking about movies, so I'm definitely going to run into a wall at some point. But so far, this is true. Um, so far, there's so many movies. Like I'm, I'm covering like a 30 year time span, like the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and then every once in a while, I might dip into the 2000s, like the early 2000s. <laughs> And um, so I've got 
plenty of movies to dig into. So, so for, you know, it, I've only scratched the surface and I've also kind gotcha. of cut back on my show. So I'm not coming out every week, but I'm coming out every other week. So uh, this is just to get me used to podcasting again. I decided I didn't want to dive straight back in. I was going to give myself a break every couple of weeks, you know, so, to, uh, right. I guess just to test the waters and yeah, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Test the waters. Yeah. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. But what, what better way to test the waters than with me doing this review for Beverly Hills Cobb? And guys, ladies and gentlemen, prepare to laugh your socks off, okay? As we dive head first into the world of fast cars, snappy one-liners, and bananas and tailpipes, welcome to Beverly Hills Cobb-tastic podcast. That's what I'm calling my temporary podcast, not Movie Lovers Tonight, but it's actually Beverly Hills Cobb's-tastic podcast. So... <laughs> It's hard getting that out, ain't it? Yes, it is. And just like Axel Foley, I'm here to make you smile, chuckle, and maybe even snort your coffee out your nose as we revisit the hilariously memorable moments from the Beverly Hills Cop movies. Let's roll, folks, because it's going to be a ride. That's if, of course, I don't have a tail on the tail, uh, banana on the tailpipe. Right, right, right. You got to watch out for that. You, you got to check your rearview mirrors at all times. You ne never know when some sneaky ne'er do well is going to put a banana in your tailpipe or sugar in your tank or any number of things that he could have did to slow down exactly. his pursuers. <laughs> but dude, this is actually one of my favorite um, Eddie Murphy movies, to be honest with you. Um, I forgot how old I was when I first seen Beverly Hills Cop. If, if I'm going to be honest with you, but I do remember the whole banana in the tailpipe gag. I remember... Uh, him walking down the Beverly Hills for the first time, laughing at his own suit that he wore for, whenever he did the stand-up comedy and things like that. I remember every those kind of beats, but as far as remembering a scene for scene whenever I first seen it, I don't remember jack crap other than so you know, I just remember certain things. What about for you though? Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I just remember being you know laughing at it it being one of the funniest movies that i've ever seen me it uh solidifying eddie murphy is like one of the greatest of all times when it comes to comedy comedic movies stand-up comedy his skits on snl and some of it like he didn't do i don't remember him doing snl skits on um on the movie in beverly hills cop but all of the little like like the gags that he did and the cons that he ran all of those could have been transferred from SNL or you could translate that to an SNL skit especially Definitely. the gags like when he's sneaking into some place or he's like being undercover and he's pretending to be something somebody he's not all of that could translate well into just a, a short skit and I feel like he's just a master at just coming up with things that make people laugh most definitely, especially if you think about the scene where he gets thrown out of the building through the glass. That yes. could be definitely an SNL skit right there alone. Yeah, yeah, because and he gets mad at the cops like, I just got thrown through the glass. You're going to arrest me? I'm the one that got thrown through the glass. <laughs> exactly. How are you going to arrest me for getting thrown through the glass? And then, he's, <laughs> then I like how the captain's like, so do you want to press charges against, against him? Uh, we, I'm a cop. I don't press charges against other cops. Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> and, and in real life, it's still true today. Apparently, right. 
you know, we are going to go scene by scene with this. And uh, so let's go ahead. Let's dive into it, man. Uh, so Axel Foley is a reckless, yet good-natured young Detroit police detective. He has unauthorized, uh, he has an unauthorized cigarette smuggling sting operation that goes south when two uniformed officers intervene, resulting in a high-speed chase through the city where several vehicles, including police cars, are damaged. This earns the anger of his boss, Inspector G. Douglas Todd, who threatens to fire him if such incidents continue. So the opening scene, we get to see Axel doing his thing. And I like how he's trying to smuggle these cigarettes and things like that. And then all of a sudden these cops intervene and they have to hurry up and leave. And they go on this high-speed chase. I thought this was a great introduction to Axel and gives us the tone for what we're getting getting for, you know? Yeah, it opens up with a con. He's trying to pull the con on these uh on these people trying to buy illegal cigarettes. And that's so funny that that's the scam. That's the, it's, it's such such an innocent world back then when when you, you can, uh, when the big deal was scamming uh, cigarettes from another state to, to avoid paying taxes. So so that was funny. And I liked how, like, he wouldn't, like, they tried to offer, some, offer him, like, half the money that he asked for. And so he's bickering with him over the, over the money. And the, the guy's trying to tell him, yeah, just take this, 2000 and uh we'll get back to you with the other 2000 <laughs> <laughs> call my people t- and we'll get in touch with your people and we'll be right, ready to right. get the next one it, right such an obvious like scam like they like they really going to get in contact with him with the rest of his money that that was that far it's not even a joke but it was funny <laughs> definitely but you know what it reminds me of is like Goodfellas when you have young Joe, the young Joe Pesci character and Henry Hill selling cigarettes Right, and I'm like, right. this reminds me of something that you would see in 1950s or 60s where they're trying to scam people for cigarettes. Right, like, right. I was like, what's wrong? Was the drug actual drug dealers busy that day to and everybody else was on those cases? So you just gave him a fluff piece just to basically give Axel something to do. Right. <laughs> and also, uh what's also funny is the um so there's a after like the the truck is getting because the police show up and they're trying to arrest everybody, and then one of the cops says, "Hey, I rec- don't I know you?" He's like, "Nah, you don't know me." <laughs> no, you don't know me. And then the truck takes off, and then what? One of the things I noticed is that there's a scene like he's hanging on some chains at the back of the truck. The truck, the back of the truck is open. It's going all over the city, but there was a point where I could tell where. It's not Eddie Murphy that is a stuntman. It's like Eddie Murphy, he's in he's in excellent shape. He's in great shape. But there's a point where you can see this dude's biceps. And it was like, now Eddie Murphy's <laughs> biceps are not that big, like gigantic biceps holding onto this chain. I was like, oh, that's a stuntman right there. <laughs> right. Like he just grew that overnight and like in the period of like an hour since the uh since this scene happened. <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah, but, yeah that uh, I, yeah. I found that to be funny, uh, with the with the the stuntman that I could tell that it was a stuntman and not Eddie Murphy. But uh, all, all of that, all of that was hilarious. And also like how, you know, his captain is pissed off at him. He goes, one more time, Axel, I'm going to throw your ass out of here. And he goes, hey, captain, yeah, look, your ass looks good in those pants if you keep on walking. And I like right. how, <laughs> how how they, the camera actually goes. It, you can see how they're trying to pan angle down a little bit just to show the captain's 
Right, right. The captain's chewing him out. He says he got the captain had got chewed out by his superiors, and he's saying that he ain't got no ass left. And then when he turns around to walk away, that's when Axel Foley says, "You, you still got a little bit of ass left." <laughs> and also, I'm not playing with you, <laughs> right? And also, I just want to point out what a strange name Axel is. Like Foley, uh, I've heard before. Uh, that that's like. That's a name that sounds like a regular name, but Axel. I haven't heard it before since. It's like a highly unusual name. I wonder if they were trying to name it after like Axel Rose from Guns N' Roses or something. Oh, I had I forgot there was a different Axel. There is Axel Rules. I, I never even right. checked the spelling, but I'm pretty sure that this movie <laughs> predates Guns N' Roses by. I wouldn't be surprised if the writer's like, hey, Rob, yeah, what, what's the popular band out, out there today in the 80s? Oh, we well, we have GNR. Well, what's the lead singer's name? Axel? Oh, that's an awesome name. Okay. Yeah, um, right. Hey, Foley. Yeah, what's up? Hey, that sounds like a badass name. Let's let's go. Let's let's name you Foley. Okay. His name is going to be Axel Foley. Let's put that in the script. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I definitely love that introduction. I thought it was hands down one of my favorite things within the Beverly Hills Cop, the very first one. Right. But yeah. Then Foley arrives at his apartment and to find his uh, find it's been broken into by his childhood friend Mikey. Tandino. Mikey did time in prison, but ended up working as a security guard in Beverly Hills. Thanks to a mutual friend, Jenny Summers, Mikey shows Foley some German bear bonds, and Foley wonders how he got them, but chooses not to question him about it. After going out to a bar, they return to Foley's apartment, where two men knock Foley unconscious, and then confront Mikey about the bear bonds. Mikey took took the, band, uh, the bonds from his boss, Victor Matinin, I think that's how you say his name. Um, a Beverly Hills art dealer who's who also happens to be a smuggler of elect goods such as beer bonds and illegal drugs. After beating Mikey up, they shoot Mikey in the back of the head and kill him. So I think that setting it up as the best friend who Axel hasn't seen in years and all of a sudden he just comes in. When someone comes in from your past that you haven't seen in so many years, either they want money or this is not good. Right. Because right. they've done something stupid. And right. so it was to be Mikey did something stupid. Yeah, but he he didn't want any money. He already had money. And it's like right. he, wanted to, he wanted to show Foley, look what I did, right? <laughs> because right. uh because they were pals in the past. I, I like the way they established the past is not overly explaining every everything. You could tell by how they reacted to each other because Mikey is obviously still a criminal. And so he goes to his best friend when he was growing up before he, he went to prison. He goes to his fr- best friend and uh, and you could tell by their interaction that Axel Foley had a criminal past. <laughs> right? Was, hey, Axel, remember that time when we uh, went and stole that car? Yeah, man. Let's go do that now. It's- uh, no, I don't think so. It's like, no, I can't do that. I'm a cop. I can't. <laughs> and like how he's laughing at, like, he's kind of hesitant. He goes, I'm a cop. <laughs> right, right, right. And uh, it, so we, so they go back over to the apartment, and then that's when we wind up seeing him getting, where Axel winds up getting knocked out, and then his friend Mikey winds up. You find out that, hey, Mikey's actually stole some money from these people, and now they want to kill him. Because of what he did. Yeah, he and, stole those bear bonds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you know what, like, though? 
Yeah, I just I just took a little bit. I he, he was I was gonna bring it back. <laughs> Please, man, I'm sorry. I, I won't do it again. I would promise. Right. It's okay, Mikey. It's okay. I, we, we won't kill you. It's okay. And then all of a sudden, you, he goes, get down on your knees. I'm like, okay, that escalated quickly. Right. <laughs> and he right. winds up shooting him. That that but, was kind of crazy. Yeah. Why, why go through all of that speech when you could have just killed him when you got there? I guess the dude wanted to... He's kind of sadistic that way. He's like a cat that likes to play with his food. Exactly. It's just all about intimidation and everything, especially if you're dealing with like a mob, mafioso kind of guy. And everything right. too. They want to intimidate you before they kill you. That's you great. know, it's like I'm not gonna kill you. I'm gonna get him to do it. So but I do like how you mentioned earlier uh where you said that you liked how the establishment of the two characters with Mikey and Axel. They the chemistry between them two is just really good. You can definitely tell that they haven't seen each other in a while. They're trying to catch up with each other. And that's something that I really like, even though he was only in there like for less than five minutes, you got a lot of detail within those five minutes. And I thought to myself, as I'm seeing him wear that Hawaiian shirt, I'm like, wait, he's supposed to be living up in Beverly Hills. He looks like he's dressed for Miami and everything. Right, right. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, so did you steal the bill, bill bond, beer bonds and decide to go to Miami and then go back over to Detroit? Because, but I like how he's like this hotshot guy now. He's like, right. hey, man, let me show you. Let me hustle these um, people at the pool table. Hey, man, I can see that you're still losing. Hey, it's okay. It's no big deal. I got I got 10,000 more of these bear bonds right here. <laughs> you know? Right, but right, I, right. I, I definitely like it. Yeah, yeah. That that was all cool. But then Foley wants to go to Beverly Hills to investigate Mikey's murder, but Inspector Todd refuses to allow it because of his close ties to Mikey. Foley uses the, the disguise of taking a vacation time to head to Beverly Hills to solve the crime. He finds Jenny working in an art gallery and learns about Mikey's ties to Madeline. Foley, posing as a flower deliverer, goes to Metlin's office and tries to question him about Mikey, but is thrown out the window by Metlin's bodyguard and gets arrested at the police station he meets beverly hills police officer sergeant john taggart and, and also detective billy rosewood and lieutenant andrew bugalim bugalo mill i think that's how you say it um, <laughs> don't get me to lie <laughs> bugalo mill <laughs> assigns rosewood and taggart to follow um foley and after a series of encounters including the uh trios uh pulling of a robbery in a striptease bar but the three of them develop a mutual respect for each other after that. Right. Kind of right. like going to a strip club to build a bond between each other. Right, right, right. <laughs> that that was a pivotal moment. But I want to go back to the captain okay. when the, the captain that chewed yeah. him out and everything. Uh his captain, Foley's captain, not the California captain. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so the funny thing about uh that captain, Captain Todd or whatever his rank is, I, Inspector Todd, Captain Inspector Todd, Super Todd. Anyways, <laughs> so the funny thing about Todd is that he, the actor Inspector is an Todd. actual police officer when when he was making Beverly Hills Cop. And then it's not like he quit the force. He continued, because he's been in a few movies, but not a whole bunch. But he maintained his career in the police department. He eventually became chief of police in Detroit. And then he went on to become a Detroit council member. So he brought some authenticity to the role being an actual police officer. Right. So right, that exactly. Was, that was fantastic. That was like one of my favorite pieces of trivia from the movies. Right. And you know what though, man, I remember seeing a documentary about that though, to be honest. Um, 
I think I, I either watched the movies that made us or I watched something to dealing with uh, Detroit riots and stuff like that and how um, about his career as a police officer. Right. And one of those documentaries. So I remember that. I'm glad that you actually brought that up. Um, but yeah, you can definitely tell that he brought some authenticity with it because he's like, one more time, Axel, I'm throwing your ass out. If I even catch you close to this case and everything, I'm going I'm going to uh, you're going to lose that badge. Right. And I like how he goes, hey, Captain. Yeah. Can I go on vacation? <laughs> right, 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 right. It's like, don't you, don't you mess with this case, Foley? Because <laughs> he knows him. He knows that Foley be trying to get in, getting into stuff. He be getting in it. Um, also, uh, when he goes to, when he gets to Beverly Hills, the first thing he does is check into a hotel, and it's like he cons his way into a hotel. I love that scene. <laughs> it's like. I'm like, how does he get this? Like, he goes to one of the most expensive hotels in Beverly Hills. And it's like, that would be, I think it was like $700 a night. It was like, that's crazy expensive. Uh, even today, that's a lot. But actually, it's I, less than that, though. I thought it was like $250 a, uh, a night. I, I think it may have been, it may have been $250 a night and adjusted for inflation to be like $700. I remember, right? I'm like, if that was in today's time, sometime. it was like, yeah, it would be $700. Right, right, right. So, uh, he so he cons his way in being he says he's a reporter i think he says he's a reporter for the rolling, oh, rolling stones. stones and then when it was like well we still don't have any room then he then he played the race card it's like oh oh so you don't have uh oh i'm not gonna say what he said but he's like no. you don't have a room for a black man i guess i go and tell rolling stone you ain't got a room for a black man and, it's like, and then he goes well what am i i was supposed to do a piece on michael jackson uh sitting on the world now i guess i'm just gonna have to tell him <laughs> have him sitting down nowhere right 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 uh and then they uh they found a suite and they was going to charge him for a regular room so i'm like man that's he just conned his way and it's amazing that, that you could get away with that kind of con like nowadays you gotta you have to pay with your credit card first like you gotta put a deposit down first like you, they, they don't even want to see your id they want to see your credit card or they don't even want to talk to you but I guess back in the day, you didn't have to do all of that. You could just no. It's like he said that okay. he had a reservation, and they just gave him a room. It's amazing the cons you could get away with back in the day. <laughs> exactly, it's like Macaulay Culkin and the Home Alone Lost in New York, right? Where he has his dad's credit card. <laughs> right, and um, so also, and then after that, he goes. Uh, I think that's when he goes and meets the the crime boss. And what's funny about that is like every time he needs to get into a situation, he cons his way in. So he cons his way in saying he, I guess he brought some flowers or something. Yeah. And he disguised himself as a flower, a florist who's right. delivering some flowers. Right, right, right. And uh, he's talking about, you don't have to call him out. I'll just, I'll just take it right up there. I'll just, and he just bogarts his way all the way up. <laughs> into the, the main boss's office uh, to interrogate the boss and then get anywhere and then gets thrown out the window. Um, right. And, and then, and then after that, after the he gets thrown out the window, that's when he meets uh, the other two main characters, the and that and they're just funny. They, they're almost Laurel and Hardy. Definitely, because what I like about this is like Abbott and Costello in a sense, right? That's that's what they remind me of is Abbott and Costello for me. But I like how you know, and you also have Dick Jones. That's that's what I'm calling the police <laughs> officer because that's who it is. It's Dick Jones from RoboCop. <laughs> Right, played by played by uh, the esteemed Ronnie Cox. Uh, he's, right. he's pretty awesome. Right when we meet Andrew Buglamel, um, I like how he's like. So, um, do you want to explain why you were disturbing the peace and why you got thrown? And he goes, "Look, I was thrown out a window, 
And I don't know why you're questioning me about disturbing the peace. All I did was walk into a building, use right. the bathroom. Right, 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 right. It had nothing to do with <laughs> interrogating a suspect. He, he went into a building to use the bathroom. Just uh, BS all the time. He's like, his, his radar is always on. It's like, he, um, like, like I was told uh, back in the day, deny, deny, deny. <laughs> exactly. Possible deniability. Right, 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 right. <laughs> So, um, uh, yeah, no, I would just go to say the other interesting trivia. I don't know if it was this scene or a later scene, but one of the things I read was that a lot of this movie was basically didn't have a script. A lot of it was either ad libbed or the writers were like writing the scenes as the movie was being filmed. So the That's script crazy. changes, right? The script changes were so numerous that you, you basically had to carry your scripts with you in order to even know what you're supposed <laughs> to be saying. And plus, there was a lot of, like I said, a lot of ad libs going on. So there's a scene where uh, the lieutenant, played by Ronnie Cox, he walks out of his office and he has a, a huge rolled up stack of papers rolled up in his hand. That that was the script. He was carrying the script for the movie. <laughs> he needed it with him so because they kept changing the scripts. Oh, so wow. the, the rolled up stack of paper that he walks out of the office with is the script for Beverly Hills Cop. So it's too fascinating. Funny. Fascinating. I like that little bit of trivia. I didn't even know know that at all, to be honest. That, that's um, just something I remembered from when I did the episode. All I the like way how, back in episode four. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though, man? I, I really like the introduction to Rosewood and them, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. the goofy characters, Rosewood just goes with the flow. It doesn't even care. He just does something stupid. This is equally stupid as Ackle does. Well, we Rosewood, who, yeah. Rosewood is like by the book. But naive and goofy, and yeah. and then like what's his name Taggart Haggard I forget Taggart. Taggart he's also he's like even more by the book than Rosewood is, but uh, he's like Rosewood is more willing to go with the flow, but he's still by the book, right? He's he's really he he's more susceptible to to give in to any illicit activity, you know? <laughs> exactly. Now I like how Axel says, "What are you guys robots? You do everything by the book." over here and it's a completely it's like a fish out of water kind of scenario though if you think about it because axel is loud in an obnoxious in a sense and then you have these laid-back california guys that are basically by the book and naive and have opposite set of rules and regulations that detroit goes after and it's totally a different environment well, I, I wouldn't say it's opposite. Is is that they're they're more strict about following the rules than the people that fully like kind of associate with. They're more willing to bend the rules than like this particular precinct in Beverly Hills. Also, before, before we go, I want to go back a little bit because we totally skipped over when Paul Reiser was and Axel Foley were talking to each other. I forgot Paul Reiser's actual name, but. That was a, a funny exchange between Paul Reiser and Axel Foley. So kudos to that particular scene. But now let's get back forward because okay. I just wanted but to. But also like it when he goes and sees. That. Well, also too, I like how he we go into this scene too where he sees his friend that he hasn't seen in a while either, and we see Serge for the first time, and he goes, "Get the fuck out of here!" <laughs> that, that scene. Right, that. right, right. So yeah, because uh, he's he was like, uh, I I think um he was offering him like something. And espresso. Oh, no, coffee. he was talking about the art. He's like, how much he is the art? art? And he was like, uh, like eight hundred dollars. And Axel Foley says, "Get the fuck out of here!" And <laughs> and he says, "No, I cannot get the fuck out of here." 
<laughs> so that's a, that was played by Bronson Pitchell. Uh, I don't know if you yeah. remember who who he was or what he played. Oh yeah, Perfect Strangers. Yes, Falcon. yes, yes. <laughs> I'll forever remember him as Baki in Perfect Strangers. But what's really <laughs> interesting is that um, I, I've gone through a lot of audiobooks. So he's he actually does audiobooks, and he's terrific in that role. So there's a, a book series he did, the first book of the series. I think it's called Spellbound. Mm-hmm. And he, he plays all the characters. He reads the whole book. And he's just magnificent as a voice actor reading audiobooks. So I don't know what else he's doing now, but as an audiobook artist, he's outstanding. <laughs> I need to hear that. I need to hear Belky. That's what I'm calling him. I'm just going right, to call him right, Belky. Right. I need to I hear think, Belky right, right, right. read. <laughs> Actually, what's great is that he can do a bunch of different accents. Like uh, when he was um, on Perfect Strangers, he's doing like a East European accent. And then in, in this movie, it's supposed to be a French accent. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Accent although I don't know what a French accent is supposed to sound like, but that's that's what he was given. He was given like a snobby, upper-middle-class type of person. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely sense it, though, uh, the way he was carrying himself and right, things like right. that, too. And, you know, I, I also, I wouldn't be surprised if the guy who played on Rush Hour 2, who was pretending to be the gay guy that was uh, getting Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan to try on the suits and stuff, I wouldn't right. be surprised if he picked up a little bit of surge and everything to get prepared for that role and made <laughs> a similar role for himself on that. Right. You know? Right. Right. But I definitely like, I definitely love seeing him and he's in all three Beverly Hills cop movies because I'm always expecting him to show up. Right. 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 I, I need to, I guess I can get over my fear of watching the third one. Cause I've seen Beverly Hills Cop 2, but I never watched Beverly Hills Cop 3 because I've always heard it was bad. And I was like, well, maybe I don't need to watch that one. But perhaps I should. Perhaps I should give that one a shot. It's a guilty pleasure of mine. I'm just going to say that. I, I, I definitely like it as a comfort movie. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, and then you also have the other scene that sets up where on the trail to Mikey's killer, Foley sneaks into the Metlin's warehouse where he finds coffee ground, grounds supposedly used to pack drugs. He also discovers that many of Matlin's crates have not gone through customs. After Foley is arrested again, but before we before he gets arrested, he's pretending to be a uh, security officer for that um, for that uh, company in the warehouse. Well, not not uh, a security officer. He was pretending to be a customs officer. The yes, first thing he does is he pulls out his badge. It's like, yeah, he's from U.S. Inspections because he's approached by the security guard. And it's like, you need to tell me why I was just able to walk in here and why the security guard didn't suspect me of any wrongdoing or, or something to that effect. He's he's, like, he didn't even show he, identification. Some- he, also, uh, he also gave me a uh, 
He also gave me a light whenever I asked him for one for a cigarette. Right, 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 right. Goes, what kind of operation are you running here? This is a pony like, operation here. I mean, he's this like, is I'm like gonna... the worst place I've ever been. Right. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get your badge. I'm going to get your badge. <laughs> and he's also taking their badges too. That's what makes right, it right, funny. Right, right. Because I'm going to run every single background check. And guess what? We're going to check every single item in this warehouse until until we actually have everything top from to bottom. Right, right, so right, right. I, I really love that scene. What what I my, and then when they jump ahead when he's in the offices and everybody the whole staff is going through the uh, you know, the paperwork for the packages and one of them is like a little suspicious and he starts asking questions and, and then he looks at him like maybe I'll call my buddy from the IRS and I him have him all up your uh, you know just <laughs> all up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> so that was so funny and then the dude back down he stopped, asking, I mean he stopped asking questions <laughs> and then you think so that he, he's got an edge right you think that he actually has an edge on them and everything now because of the fact that you know he's got the coffee grinds he's got all this and then the cap and the inspector's also listening to him and he's about to hit a home run but before that happens, we wind up finding out that he was all, that Axel already went to a golf course, though, too. And that kind of ruins everything as well, because because someone that was actually over the police officers winded up seeing Axel. And he said, well, you know, you stir up quite a mess over there at the golf course. And I'm right, like, oh, right. Uh, Axel, you know, you stir up quite a mess over at the golf course. <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, because he went to confront the drug lord again. And uh it's funny, right? Because the dude, the drug, the main enforcer, the one that killed his friend or had his friend killed, you know, tried to hit Foley and Foley had like basically embarrassed him, like laid him on the floor, embarrassed him in front of his boss and, and everybody that was in the in the uh that little club that was in. It was like a, a restaurant section of the club, and he's trying to confront the drug lord. But then he just gets thrown out of the restaurant. So <laughs> he just gets has also, a habit of yeah. getting thrown out of places and getting arrested. But you you can definitely tell that the inspector is being sold on it up until that point because he's like, "Well, why were you there?" He goes, "Well, I think Madeline is actually the smuggler, and this is why because I found coffee grinds, I found this X, Y, and Z, and then also you also have Haywood that's trying to tell him, "Hey, look, it's legit. He's telling you the truth." Because yeah, but you're gonna need more than coffee grinds to prove your point. Yeah, they needed actual evidence. Like they they needed the actual drugs. He just couldn't <laughs> find like these little he the the evidence that he had wasn't enough for the police to move on it. So what was great about what uh the inspector or Ronnie Cox what was great about him was that he was willing to add, you know, put his own resources into the investigation to help Axel Foley, but he wasn't he wasn't going to go as far as Axel wanted to do. It's like he wasn't going to issue an arrest because the drug lord is actually a very important person in the city. And the, he's chummy with the chief of police of that particular, of Beverly Hills, I guess. So it was, so there was, it was a huge hill to climb in order to uh, get the Beverly Hills police department moving on that particular issue. Right. And also I like the bar, the uh, strip, uh, strip club scene though too we didn't get into that because remember um axel's looking around in his peripheral vision he's seeing things go down and he sees somebody with a coat he sees another person with a plaid shirt and he goes over to taker he goes taker i have a question isn't it a little too uh hot out to be having a jacket a trench coat 
He goes, yeah, it's June. Why? What's up? He goes, I need you to go that way. And don't worry, Haywood can stay behind so that way I make sure that I'm a good boy so I don't misbehave. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the way he, he approached them. So, like, there are two suspects and one of them, Tiger goes over to one of them. And then he goes over to the other one and he's like, hey, and he's like, he's pretending to be drunk. He's like, hey, man, what, well, I ain't seen you in a while, man. And the guy's like, get away from me. He's like, hey, man, why you got to be that way? Right. And then Come on, Floyd. He why do you have to, to be that way? Right. I don't know if that's his name or not, but. <laughs> and then he managed to get close enough to him to uh, punch him and disarm him. And then, you know, got the his, the dude's own shotgun pointed at his face. And then Taggart got the other one covered. So they was able to to solve the, uh, you know, the prevent the robbery. So that that was pretty awesome. But was even better was like when they went back to the police department. And then Taggart had to explain to his boss why they were at a strip bar. And so he tried to say that, uh, well, before he could say anything, that's when Axel was like, well, you know, they they were following me and they waited outside because they're a good police officer while I went to the strip club. And then some shady characters went in there and I didn't notice because I was just watching the strippers <laughs> and then Taggart and and uh, and his partner, they went in and they they was able to stop the, the crime. They, they was uh, able to stop the robbery before anything happened. It's like, what you got here? You got some wonderful cops and you got some great cops. You know what? You got some super cops. You got some super cops. You got some super cops. You're good. You guys got some good cops. <laughs> and, then, and then the boss asked Taggart, was like, is that what happened? And then Taggart told the, the whole truth. <laughs> I like how Axel goes, way to go to ruin the lie. Right, right, right. He's like, that was You guys could have been super cops, he was but no, you just had to ruin it. He's like, he was falling for it. He was falling for the super cop story. You just had to ruin it. <laughs> So that yeah. was so funny because he was falling for it and they just could have rolled with it, but they were, uh, you know, straight laced. They had to be straight by the book. They, they couldn't, they couldn't roll with the lie. So I think they got, they were taken off Foley's case and then yeah. he put a couple of other guys on the case, but it's not like they were any better. No, because remember when he said, we're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe. I'm not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and we and, skipped over that when they followed right, him right. to the when hotel. He, and uh, he put a banana in the tailpipe so they wouldn't follow him. But what's funny about that, he got the banana from another uh, great actor that went on to do great things. Um, what's his name? I, I forgot his name. Hold on. I wrote it in my notes. Let's I didn't see if even I notice find. that. Um, Dwayne, uh, not Dwayne, <laughs> Damon Wayne. Damon Wayne from okay. In Living Color, from the Wayne fan. Like he was the one that was at the like the fruit stand and whatnot. And then he he was uh he was playing a gay uh serviceman. Yeah. And then you gave him the bananas. That was Damon Wayne's. And it's like you know what? I'm gonna give you two. <laughs> I'm gonna give you two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but and then. The way he went back to his car and he waved at him uh, before he took off and then they tried to drive off, but they had a banana in a tailpipe okay. and apparently it works every time. And then I like how, uh, once again, you know, he does the same thing to them, gives them room service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the room service trick. That was, and then like uh, Judge Reinhold's character, he was digging it, right? He was He's like, right. have you tried it? He, he got me a tune. Did you try it? Did you try it? <laughs> the tune is fantastic, like, man. It's, it's really good. He's like, get your stuff out of here, right? <laughs> I, I like how the uh, how their boss is like. So, what did you have? Oh man, I had a I had a tuna 
uh, sandwich. It was fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like he was, uh, he was all about that sandwich. And and then, uh, and then they got in trouble, right? (laughs) (laughs) And then these new guys, though, too, they, they see Foley at this guy's house. And he's like, just looks like a sick out. No, nah, man, I'm just having a picnic. This is all it is. Just right. He's, he's, he's at the front gate of somebody's like mansion. Uh, par- he's got his <laughs> car parked on the side. And then he goes to his car and he opens the trunk. He's like, you want a beer? You want a beer? You want some sandwiches? <laughs> gonna have, how are you going to have a picnic in the parking lot? Right. He, he'll settle anything. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, we we also talked about the fact that, you know, they couldn't authorize the search because of the lack of evidence. At this point, Police Chief Hubbard also learned that a bully's ill-advised investigations, actions, orders that bully is escorted out of town. However, Foley convinces Rosewood to pick up Jenny instead and take her with them to Matlin's warehouse, where the shipment is due to arrive that day. So that way they can actually get the drugs, so that way they can rest, uh, rest them. And I thought this was actually a cool way to actually do it because at first he was just wanting her car. And she's like, no, you're not going to drive my car. I'm going to go with you. Right. Right. So, so now she's there for the ride as this is actually happening and they go into the warehouse and they find the bonds. They find everything that they need. Right. But I'll let you break that down. Yeah. They find the bonds. They find a coat. What's funny is that, uh, so it was, uh, Rosewood, Rosewood went to pick her up. They need her because she had the key to get into the warehouse. They go to the warehouse and then his friend, the girl did not want to be left behind. It was like they were going to, she was going to go in with him and he couldn't stop her. So they, they both went into the warehouse. They left Rosewood in the car. So they go in and they find all the evidence they ever need. Like you said, that they found the bonds, they found the cocaine under the coffee grounds. Cause that's how they ship cocaine to throw off the dogs. And then I think, uh, they, I don't know if they knocked out one of the dudes that was patrolling the warehouse, but they eventually get caught. And so they was caught dead to rice. And then the other bad guys show up. The boss shows up. The boss is mad at, at the woman. And uh, he basically, he's going to punish her for whatever that she's doing. They, they beat up Axel real good. <laughs> and then I guess they tie him up. And then I guess they were supposed to leave him there. But the entire time, yeah, Rosewood, he, was, he knew that he was supposed to, um, he needed to go in. And and rescue Foley because he feels like, he feels like that Foley that Foley's in trouble, but at the same time, he's not supposed to be here. He's supposed to be no. heading out of town. So like going in there to rescue Foley would be in trouble. So you can see all the dismay on his face. He was just like a, a kid who's waiting for his father to get home. As I looked, <laughs> <laughs> so he's just there, just kind of messed up. And then he sees that the bad guys are going out with with the woman. And um, so he, he can. So when they leave, he he goes in for the rescue to to rescue Axel Foley, and uh, and gets into a shootout. He actually has to kill the bad guys and and rescue Foley and get on out of there. And it's like, oh, he shot the bad guys. I wonder how he's going to explain that one. <laughs> the, 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 the quote that I like whenever he gets caught by one of the security people though too is like, hey, it's all good. We're gonna go on ahead. We're gonna get high, and we're gonna get jacked up on some uh. Ca- caffeine on some coffee <laughs> right 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 that, that's also another line that i really like but um fully and jenny uh bring into the warehouse find several bags of cocaine inside the crate fully tells jenny 
get Rose with Madine and his associates arrive. Madine takes Jenny and leaves Fully to be killed. After soon he- hesitation, Rosewood enters the warehouse and rescues Fully, like you said. Hoggard tracks Foley and Rosewood to Mandine's estate, where he joins Foley and Rosewood to the efforts to rescue Jenny and bring Mandine to justice. When Boglamel hears the reports of shots and fired at Mandine's residence, he calls for backup at the location and heads out to join the others. After firing the uh, after the firefight that kills most of the Mandine's men, Foley kills Mandine's right-hand man, Zach, who had killed Mikey, Mighting shoots and injures Foley, then uses Jenny as a shield. Bogomils arrives, distracts Madine uh, Madeline long enough to allow Jenny to break free. Bogomil and Foley then shoot and kill Madeline. Madeline. Right. So I thought the action sequences were really good for that scene. I really liked the stunt work with it. Um, I could still I could tell some of it was uh, a stunt person here and there in between the shots, but I thought it worked out really well. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It looks like classic '80s action. It's like you got the yes. guys with the Uzis, and it's like because you always <laughs> got to have the guys with the Uzis in a, in a, in a action movies from the '80s. Uh, you had um, just just a massive shootout, but then. It, it couldn't be just a regular shootout. They, they had to put some buffoonery into it. So there's that part where you had Rosewood and uh, his pa- partner, I keep forgetting the dude's name, Taggart. So Rosewood and Taggart, they're, they're, they're outside uh, by the gate and they have to climb over the gate to get where Foley is. <laughs> and they're having a hard time getting over. So uh, uh, Rosewood is supposed to boof Taggart, a much bigger dude, over the edge uh, into the gate uh over uh to to the other side and they're just falling down this is the lauren hardy moment of the whole movie just falling all over each other trying to get through these gates but they finally make it they finally get over the gate or the wall it's not a really a gate it's a wall so they finally get over the wall and are able to join the firefight and then there's one part in the firefight you know they, they got the oozies going and then rosewood stands up and talking about this is the police throw your weapons down and then then get shot at and he has to find cover and then tagger says you do that again i'll shoot you myself (laughs) i love it i love the chemistry between them two it is perfect balance between them they're they're both night and day from each other right 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 and so and then uh the other the the other cops show up and then they they also engage in the shit house and now it's like overwhelming force from the police. And now the, the bad guys kind of have to give up because it's like, it's, it's too many police to try to have a firefight with. And exactly. Then, right, right, right. And and then like the confrontation between Axel Foley and Zach, that, that was, that was pretty, that was well done. That was that, the whole scene where they're tracking each other and then Foley kind of fools them. Cause he, he had gotten shot. So he leaves a blood trail and, and leads it where he's not at. And then, uh pops up and in, in surprise shoots the dude so yeah that was that was great it was and then when the bad guy shows up with jenny and then you know he gets dropped so I, everything was cool Every, everything about that whole shootout was classic 80s action definitely I, I you definitely get the 80s vibe from it the uzis the suits um ha- even with the guy the guy who killed mikey and everything yeah he has like this his piece of his hair is missing, but he also has like a little small line of ponytail or whatever 
to just perfect 80s uh, way of actually doing things with this action scenes. I thought it was good. I really like it. Right, right. Um, then you also have Chief Hubbard arrives at Ambogamel, uh, Rabagats, a story that covers for Foley, Tigard, and Rosewood. When Hubbard asked uh, Tigard to confirm the story, Tigard backs up uh, Bogomel, realizing that he will probably be out of the job in Detroit. And Foley asks Bogomel to speak to Inspector Todd and smooth things over for him. Bogomel right. is reluctant, but re- relents after Foley talks about staying in Beverly Hills. Tigard and Ro- Rosewood meets uh, Foley as he checks out of his hotel and he pay- and pays his bill. Foley invites them to join him for a farewell drink, and they accept. Right. So uh, I, that was another great part. Like after the shootout, the what you call it, the when the chief of police shows up and he asks for an explanation, and he asks from uh, I think it's Bogomil. Boger. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. Bogomil. So, so you ask Bogomil, and Bogomil is like creates this incredible fantasy of what, act, what what took place. You know how they got the evidence, how the Beverly Hills police got involved, how they had uh, tracked uh, everything down, and uh, giving credit to uh, Axel Foley for helping them because he Axel Foley is there as an advisory. He's like, yeah, he he went with them on an advisory role, right? <laughs> right. So. <laughs> Like a job shadow. <laughs> right, right. And then uh the chief asked Taggart is like, is this true? And he's like, Yeah, that's exactly exactly as he said happened. <laughs> yep, everything he said is one hundred percent true. I'll write out my statement today and have it in for and have it back into you by three. Right, right, right. And then uh yeah, so and then like you mentioned that the hotel, they're checking out the hotel. And I'm thinking, so how is he going to check out the hotel with this enormous hotel bill and he doesn't have he definitely doesn't have the money. So, but the Beverly Hills police, Tiger and uh, Rosewood, they actually come and they save the day. There's like, they, you know, Beverly Hills got, they're going to take care of the tab. And, and Axel Fold was like, you know what? I'm touching. Like, why don't you give me, why don't you give me two of those bath towels and, and put it on my tab? It was like, here. And then see, here's the difference between Rosewood and Tiger. When Axel Foley offers the, I think it was a, a robe, he offers a robe to Rosewood, and Rosewood takes it. It's like, oh, thanks. This is awesome. And Officer One, the Tiger's like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to take it. Is because you know, Tiger wants to be on the up and up. And right. Axel is like, are you sure? You sure? I got two of them in my bag, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing about Axel Foley. He doesn't even have a suitcase. He has like a bag, like a basically a backpack that, that he like carries. He thinks that he's just going to be there for like a day or two, and that that's it. I don't even think that's it. I think that's all he had. He's just like, he's not somebody who travels. He doesn't have a suitcase. And at the time he went on vacation, could not afford one. Like he just, he just, put, he's a type of person that, that would just put it in a knapsack and just go. Like it, it it would even be better if he had a duffel bag, didn't have a duffel bag, just had like a backpack. Cause that's all he, that's all he could have. So, right. um, but before we move on, I, I want to talk about like the movie. It has a killer soundtrack. I want to talk about the music okay. in this movie. Like we don't even uh, like it's it's very rare. I want to say that to have like like songs written specifically for a movie or or a carefully curated list of songs that are made that's made for a movie. That used to they used to do that in, in a lot in the eighties. They don't really do that as much now. So I mean, they kind of do it in some of the superhero films, but. And a lot of the other action movies, you don't 
see a lot of that. So or like one of the great songs, like the the song at the when the movie opens, it opens with the the Pointer Sisters, Neutron Train, Neutron. Uh, let me look at it. I forgot what the name of the song was. Neutron something. Neutron dance. Is that what it's called? I think so. I think that's what it is. I'm not 100% uh, sure. I'm always writing note. Neutron Dance, that is what it's called. Okay. And then uh, there's another one, The Heat Is On by, on by Glenn Frey. Frey. Yeah, by Glenn Frey. So yeah, those are two excellent songs from the Beverly Hills Cop 2 sound. I mean, Beverly Hills well, Cop soundtrack. So yeah, and then well, actually, Beverly, I think Beverly Hills Cop 2 had a, also had a great soundtrack, but that's that's for another podcast. <laughs> yes, we're going to have to do a Beverly Hills Cop marathon uh, rewatch review. Right, right, right. But you know what, though, man? I didn't realize this until I was watching this, and we were talking about the soundtrack, right? So, there, get this. Danny Elfman did uh, part of the scoring for this. Oh, I didn't know that. I know there was a lot of uh, electronic. I, I think uh, Herbie Hancock did the, the main theme. I can't remember, but I knew it was electronic, and it reminds me of Herbie Hancock. <laughs> yeah, uh, Danny did um, the score for Gratitude. And that, uh, you also, uh, gratitude is name of the song, uh, name of the score that Danny Alphaman did. Okay, okay. Uh, Stir It Up by Patti LaBelle. You also have Rock and Roll Me Again by The System. You also have XOLF uh, by Harold uh, Flatamere. Uh, you have Rocky Robbins, Emergency. Do You Really Want Love by Junior Giscombaum. Uh, I think that's how you say it. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, then you also have Don't Get Stopped in Beverly Hills by Shalimar. So yeah, this is actually a stacked soundtrack. Yeah. That that you know? sounds like that the one that the, the last one you mentioned, Don't Get Caught in Beverly Hills, that sounds like it was probably written straight for the movie. Right? Because I'm I'm the, like, okay, look, we already have all these big name, um, we already have these big name uh, uh, um, music and everything for the soundtrack. We have Danny Elfman. We have Patti LaBelle. We're kind of over budget. Let's just get this song for the movie because we already spent about $40,000 just on music. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure that was always part of the plan, right? <laughs> that was right. to uh, sell the soundtrack. Yeah, that was. It seems to me that whenever they they uh, commission musicians or whenever they because they have to pay for the rights to the music, so if they're going to pay the rights for the music, then they might as well have uh, a you know a killer soundtrack to sell to the public. Definitely, and I think there's one more thing about the soundtrack I want to, if you don't mind me uh, talking about it one last time. But there was another version of the soundtrack that actually contains BHC "I Can't Stop" by Rick James. Okay. Of, uh emergency by rocky robbins i don't know if i'm familiar with that one me either and i'm a, and i like rick james so i'm gonna have to check this out later on as well so all right well that concludes um uh, beverly hills cop but uh so do you have anything going on that you're releasing on your on your podcast or anything like that that you'd like to share yeah, so you know what? I, I should have wrote all of this down, but I did not. So <laughs> you could catch me. I, I did uh, an interview. I, I appeared on a, a couple of different podcasts. So one of them was, um, hold on, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember all of the podcasts that I appeared on, and I'm losing 
what is it? My memory. So, <laughs> but one of them is called Retromate. Retromate is a movie podcast where they talk about, uh, well, the host Katie is focused on different aspects of different movies. So right now she's focused on Kurt Russell and um, Patrick Swayze. Oh, I'm I'm so proud of myself for remembering that. So she's looking at the movies by these two actors and on her podcast, we did the thing. So that came out, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago. And then I also did uh, a podcast with, um, I'm forgetting his name. And I'm I'm also forgetting his podcast because my memory doesn't work like that because I didn't write it down. But it's called something. Hold on. Hold on I'm, I've almost got it. I'm almost got it. Um, I know nonsense is in the name. Casual nonsense. Ah, see, I knew yeah. I was going to get there. And his name is Mark. Ah, I got it. See, I got everything. So the there host is Mark is casual nonsense. And we're talking about podcasting, but that isn't out yet. But uh, when it comes out, I'll, I'll let everybody know. And then on my recent episode, I had um, Scott and and Frankie. See, I'm, I'm remembering it's working. It's like you got to exercise your brain. I got Scott exactly. and Frankie from a podcast called Shoot the Flick. And, and we talk about, okay, hold on. I'm. I, I almost had it. We talk about Alien, and that see, came out. I mentioned this that earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, no new episode this week, but next week uh, we're going to be talking about Aliens. So uh, stay tuned for that. I'll put out on social social media who the guest is going to be for that podcast. Thank you, man. I enjoy your podcast and everything. Um, you just have like an easy vibe with your podcast, though. If I'm going to be honest with you, like I have an hour drive back home and. Just the way that you move um, move within the pocket of your podcast and everything, it's just so smooth, and I'm able just to enjoy my car ride home. So I just want to say I'm really am enjoying it. Thanks. I really appreciate that. And I, I love the the knowledge and the joy you bring when you talk to movies on your show. So I appreciate you, that. Very welcome. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, that's going to be it. Don't forget to smash the like button, smash that comment button, and tell us what you think of Beverly Hills Cop, and give us your formulated opinion as well. If you guys want to reach out to me, movieloversunite at gmail.com. And always until next time, guys, bye-bye. Bye-bye.